Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. Hello, everyone. Hey, come on one more time. Let's give Jesus a great shout. And come on, can we thank the worship team? How good did you guys do? Thank you. I didn't even notice there was no drama. It was so amazing. You guys are awesome. So amazing. Miss Keddington, you were amazing tonight. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, it's oh. so great to be back in beautiful Salt Lake. And how amazing is the April snow? Oh, my god! Come on. You may so have heard awesome. Utah came has, back for one last tango. Utah has 12 seasons. We just finished the spring of deception and we moved into our third winter. But the it, pollination it is sounds, coming. It sounds like Middle Earth. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm all naughty here. You can't let that spring trick you. Our poor ah. garden is destroyed. All right. Anyways, so tonight, tonight, the hot mic moment with Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. So we've got a couple questions. And do you want me to ask the first one that we had? Yeah, you all can right, go cool, for it. This cool, is cool, exciting. Cool. I was pumped all day for yes. tonight. And so anyway, just soak every single word and, up. And it's so, so important, like, um, you know, Pastor Matt was saying that the Bible says, be ye renewed by the, oh, so be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So good. Yeah. And so all of us walk in with the mind we've got. We come to Christ with the mind we've got. And even though your spirit is born again, you're now a child of, head of heaven, a citizen of heaven, but you can still live so far below what God has for you. Yes. That's why the Bible says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So mm. Christ doesn't renew your mind for you. That's you and him partnership, you and him washing your brain. Everyone says, you've been brainwashed. Well, my brain needed a heck of a lot of washing. And the greatest place to watch it is in the Word of God. Amen. So good. So good, Pastor. That was a freebie, guys. That was just, that was free. Okay. First question. How can we teach prosperity when Jesus said, don't worry about you, what you will eat and what you will drink in Matthew 6, 25? You got the notes. You, you, oh, yeah. you Why don't I give you the... No, that's no, good. Okay. You, you, right. you go first. I know he wants to go first. I'll chime in. Oh, I didn't. I want to make sure I'm kind. All right. Yep. So uh, <laughs> so how many people here have read that, that verse where Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. And hey, you look at the lilies of the field. They neither, you know, sow nor, you know, yet your heavenly father so clothes them. If they're here today, tomorrow thrown in the fire, look at the, the birds, you know, they don't. And, you know, therefore I say to you, seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and all the things that the Gentiles seek after will be added unto you. And so a lot of people kind of have a misconception when it says, uh, do not worry. They, they perceive that do not worry means don't ever think about. Wow. Do not worry means do not, do not steward. Wow. You know, do not be wise with. You know, yeah. So, so do not do not worry means Jesus is like don't worry, don't go to fear. You don't need to chase those things. God knows that you need those things. Seek first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added. Will be added. Yes. Now, that's a very interesting thing because another another scripture that people will quote is the rich young ruler. It's very interesting if you study the rich young ruler. He want, He said to, to Jesus, he says, "Good teacher, what must I do?" to have everlasting life. And Jesus is like, huh, interesting you call me good. Why do you call me good? No one's but good but God. Because wow. he just saw Jesus as a rabbi. He didn't recognize that Jesus was God. Jesus was God. But he was pointing out that he didn't see that he was God. And what, what the problem with the rich young ruler was, was he wanted to add heaven to his earthly stash. Yeah. So he was rich, he was young, he was a ruler. Man, you know what's missing is everlasting life. So Jesus says, you got it around the wrong way. Wow. Sell what you have, give to the poor, follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. Yeah. And the Bible says that this, he went away sad. And Jesus said to him, one thing you lack. And what he lacked was he had it around the wrong way. He wanted to add heaven to the stash. Whereas actually, if you seek heaven first, then you'll have the right context. Another great scripture is the Queen of Sheba. And just, just, you know, just to kind of tie a bow on that, when, when people say, see, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, give everything to the poor. Read it. He didn't say give everything to the poor. He says, sell 
what you have and give to the poor. If it was about not having stuff, why wouldn't you just say give it all to the poor? Why would he say sell it? Wow. Why would he say sell what you have and give to the poor? Why not just give to the poor? Why sell it? Because the man's trust was in his stuff. His, he was the rich, young, we don't know his name, but we know he was rich, he was young. We don't need to know his name because he was rich. He was, so his, his image, his stock was in the fact that he was rich, he was young. And, and so Jesus is like, oh, wow, okay, so you, you got all this stuff, do you? Go and sell it. So the Lexus that you bought last year. Wow. How much did it appreciate when that, when that bumper left the... Right. Oh, and that, that, that Rolex watch that, that you spent all that money buying and now you've got to sell it and you're trying to sell it, hock it off on eBay and nobody wants to pay, everyone wants a bargain. And so Jesus was intentionally jacking the guy up Right. Sell what you have and give to the poor because you're, 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 mis- you're trying to add heaven to earth. Are you kidding me? You aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. If you aim at earth, you miss out on heaven. Wow. So that's what Jesus was, was trying, to, trying to do there. And so uh, there was another thought that I had on that, but I, I lost it for a second there. Um, Queen of Sheba, thank you. Thank you. Someone's listening. Thank you. So the Queen of Sheba comes to Solomon. It's very interesting. She comes to Solomon, the Bible says, with this vast retinue of gold and silver and precious spices and minerals and emeralds and topaz and jaspers and diamonds and exotic animals. And she has this vast caravan because, and she represents the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world, your, your value is in your stuff. Your, who you are is tied to your, your zip code, your address, the car you drive. You know, this is Jeff Bezos, you know, from Amazon. This is, you know, uh, Elon Musk, Tesla, the richest man in the world. And so your, your stuff, your, your stuff is, you know, kind of, it lends to who you are, your value, your identity. But the Bible says when she, when she came to Solomon with all these hard questions and when she saw the house that he had built and the, and the house, and the, the house of the Lord and the entryway by which he went up from his house. In other words, he, he attached his house to the house of God. And the Bible says when she saw the seeding of the servants, she'd never seen a kingdom built by servants. She'd, been, she'd seen kingdoms established on the backs of slaves wow. with whips. But wow. these people volunteered. They, 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 they brought their treasure. They, they brought their gold. Other, other kingdoms had to extract the gold. They had to wow. tax the people. They had to plunder the people to build their vast. Here, this was different. And the Bible says when she, there was no more spirit in her. And then she realized she realized that the, the purpose of money wow. is the glorification of God. Wow. So the Bible says that she gave to Solomon an offering. That offering in today's value is probably somewhere between 50 and $60 billion is what she gave in an offering because she was wow. so moved because her, her, her treasure was in her stuff. Where she saw Solomon, the stuff and the treasure was in God. Wow. And she learned that, oh my gosh, Come this on. is all about God. So she put, it, she put it in God. So a couple of quick scriptures to, to throw up on the screen there is Proverbs 35, uh, sorry, Psalm 35, 27. Psalm 35, 27 says, Let the righteous uh, shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity prosperity of his servant. God takes pleasure Mm. in the prosperity of his servant. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. So the purpose of wealth, the purpose of wealth is to establish the covenants of God in the earth. So the, you know, for us in the New Testament, the purpose of wealth, God gives us power to get wealth. For what reason? So we can establish God's covenant, so we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and establish it in the earth. And so, so don't worry doesn't mean don't think about it. Right. Come on. It, it just means don't worry about it. Don't, don't, don't go with fear. 
seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and then the stuff that is shiny and shimmering all the stuff that you need will be added to you it's not meant to be the focus Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon so a lot of people like yeah so we'll have nothing to do with mammon well that's not what Jesus is talking about Mm -hmm. he didn't say have nothing to do with mammon he just says you can't serve two masters Wow. he says so so you can't serve God and mammon he didn't say you can't serve God and the devil he didn't say you can't serve God and Buddha he didn't say you can't serve God and the government he says you can't serve God and mammon why mammon why money why you know elevate it because he knows in this life transaction your your so much of your life is tied to to your uh, earnings your 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 money right. you know when you get higher they say hey we see you as a sixty thousand dollar a year person we see you as a hundred thousand dollar a year oh my gosh they're great they're, they're going to be paid two hundred thousand dollars wow do you know that person makes over a million dollars hey they're they're a youtube they make you know and so <laughs> we we see that there's a value on that and so uh you know Jesus was was trying to unlock us from from putting our stock in our in our our finances in our money in our in our value in that so that uh, we understand that that when we bring our finances when we bring our treasure to God we're putting him above that wow. he has no problem with you having stuff he just doesn't want stuff having you so we serve God but we make money serve us when money is your servant that's in its proper place but when money is a master it's in it's actually not meant to be there it becomes idolatry so how do you know if money's your servant or money's your master it's very very simple uh, who who obeys who if money is telling you what you can and can't do if money's telling you what you can and can't give hey it's you know vision builders coming up and and I think we want to give this and all of a sudden money starts piping up hey whoa 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 whoa, steady on there you you want to give how much (laughs) hey you need don't forget you you've got a mortgage and you've got rent and you've got you know your car payment you've got and then there's food and then there's there's those new kicks you want to get and so if money is telling you what you can and can't do guess what bad news you're not the master it's the master so that's why giving is one of the most powerful tools and that's why every week we talk about giving so we have no problem with with preaching that God wants to bless you because the biggest fear that people have or the biggest concern or query is oh my gosh well you know what if people get you know so much stuff that they start putting their stock in their stuff and they start getting greedy and they start denying God not at Awaken Church every week you hear about giving why because giving people don't greed and greedy people don't give and so one of the greatest ways but it's not only that is every time you give you exercise power over money every time you give many years ago and I'll, I'll finish and let Leanne jump in many years ago I was watching um, Oprah and there was uh, and they were doing doing a thing on credit card debt and this is almost 30 years ago now credit card debt and back then the average credit card debt for an American uh, was around $26,000 and they contrast with Singapore where the average Singaporean uh, had uh, the average of $26,000 in savings and so they had, you know, people on $10,000, $50,000. But there was this one young lady. She had 12 credit cards, all maxed out, $10,000 limit, $120,000 in debt. And, the, you know, the interest rates varied as low as, I think it was like 18.75%, right up to 27%. So she was drowning in the debt. And so they had this financial expert on, and Oprah asked this financial expert, she's saying, man, it's crazy, we've got to protect our youth, it's just so easy for them to get credit cards, so easy to get them into debt, you know, banks take advantage of them, you know, is there any hope for Americans? And I'll never forget what this financial expert said, she says, oh, Oprah, it's very, very simple. And, And Oprah's like, it is? She goes, oh yeah, Oprah, it's very, very simple. She goes, I've been studying the life of the rich and the poor for over 40 years. She says, and the rich are rich because they have power over money and money is attracted to them. She says, but the poor are poor because money has power over them. And if money has power over you, it's repelled from you. And she says, Oprah, all these people need to do to break their debt mentality and their debt mindset is go and take 10% of whatever their debt is, go down to a church, or a charitable organization doesn't have to, and, and give it away. And Oprah almost fell off her chair. She's like, say, what? You know, she, like this girl, 120,000. If she takes 12,000, that's 130. She goes, Oprah, um, 
when you have power over money, it's attracted to you. There's only one way to put have power over money, and it's in giving. It's so rocked Oprah that has anybody ever heard, anyone ever seen, uh, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. It's so rocked Oprah. Oprah at that point was worth several million. She's one of the first American women to become worth over a billion dollars. And she will tell you that her wealth skyrocketed because she got the revelation on giving. From that time forward, she began to give like she'd never given before. You know, they were giving away cars and all, you know, all kinds of stuff. Because when you give, you're exercising power over money. If you have power over money, it is attracted to you. Where's that in the Bible? Glad you asked. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. The Bible says, the Bible says... There's one who withholds more than is right and at least to poverty, but there's one who scatters and yet increases more. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So you will find, you know, in fact, Luke 6.37, Jesus says, you know, judge not and you won't be judged. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Then 38, give and it'll be given to you. So whether you realize it or not, the, the, the kingdom of God, though invisible, is very real. And it, it works on a law, and that law is the law of reciprocity. So if you judge, you're going to come under judgment. If you forgive, the Bible says, you'll be forgiven. The Bible says, give, and it will be given. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. And so it's a powerful principle wow. in, in the Scripture there. Whoa. You don't realize it, but you just got an entire semester of Bible college. That's right. Congratulations. You're one semester closer. Clap. Yeah. That's good. That I'm was falling so over good. in my chair. I'm already mind blown. Shoot. Pastor Ann, did you want to add anything well, to that? Well, I feel like he said it all, but the only, <laughs> the only thing I could potentially say is God is so beautiful in Malachi 3.10 when it comes yeah. to giving. He shows us the many facets of what our giving does. Mm. So when we bring the tithe in, and Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes, which is 10% of your income, into the storehouse so that there's food in my house. That's the first level of our giving. But then it goes on to say, and now test me in this, that I will not fail to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour down upon you so much blessing that there isn't room enough to contain it. So how beautiful is God through one act of giving back to God what belongs to Him, through that act of trust, tithing, not only does He build the church, change our cities. You can't change your city if, you don't, if you're not financially prosperous. You can't. It doesn't pass the smell test. It's illogical. For the pastors who want to preach against prosperity, right. I, it, 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 what? Yeah. I, I, no, what? No. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't work. It, it's right. impossible. Yeah. Who are you going to impact? But not only that, not only just blessing the community, building the church, but then your family. Amen. How beautiful is God? God is yeah. so good. Come on. One final scripture. The Bible says, even a wise man will be considered a fool if he's poor. Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. yeah, is that, did I quote it properly? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, yeah go In ahead. Ecclesiastes. But only if you say one thing, you know, go it's not allowed to uh-oh, lead to uh-oh, seven uh-oh, stories, uh-oh, but go. Uh-oh. All right. Even the, even the, even a yeah, It says there, 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 there was a wise man, but nobody listened to his wisdom because, because he was, he was poor. poor. Yes. Wow. wow. And so just, you know, just on that, well, you did remind me of a story. So oh, I'm going to yeah. tell you anyway. Is, Welcome um, to my world. We, we, we had a guy in our church. He, he, well, he, his family was kind of visiting, uh, but they, they used to go to another church in, in Escondido. And he was the number one real estate guy in, in uh, San Diego. And... They were in church and his pastor was railing on wealth and anti-prosperity and anti-rich and anti... And he's got uh, seven kids. Anyway, they're driving out of church in the minivan and his 15-year-old's in the back seat. And he says, Dad, can I ask a question? He's like, sure, son. He says, are we bad people? He's like, oh, why would you say that? He says, well, pastor was up there preaching against being rich and having wealth and dad we're rich aren't we and so it was an awkward afternoon the next day the pastor called this real estate guy and says listen crying on the phone saying we don't know if we can keep the lights on we don't even know if we can make payroll is there any way you could write a check for a hundred thousand dollars 
to help us get through. You know, we're in debt. You know, we can't make it through. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Well, well, well. Sunday, he wants to beat up on prosperity yeah. and blessing. Uh, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of famous preachers, if I said their names, you would know them, who preach anti-prosperity. There's one guy who's one of the most uh, well-known Calvinists, and he drives a Prius to church drives a Prius to church. But he intentionally lives about 45 minutes from church. And a friend of mine was in his home, massive home. He has four high-end cars in his garage. The, the cheapest of those is about 100000 The most expensive, probably about 300000 But the church doesn't see that. He doesn't drive that. He drives to church in a Prius and preaches against prosperity, even though he's prospering, preaches against having wealth, even though he has wealth, preaches against having... The, the, the church struggles and languishes in poverty wow. while so he think. lives a completely different life. Wow. And he's mm. one of the most vocal, anti-Joel Osteen, anti, you know, whatever. So I'm just telling you, in this church, we, we know that the God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. You can't, you, there's, there's, you, there's no scripture that contradicts it from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to prosper. Come on. Let me tell you, God has no problem with you having things. He only has a problem with things having you in the greatest way. And we have this saying, you know, if you can't give it, you don't have it. It has you. If you, if you have something, and God asks you to give it, and you can't give it, then you don't have it. It has you. Genesis 22, it came to pass. God tested Abraham, saying, Abraham, Abraham, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and offer him as a burnt Abraham had waited for 100 years for this boy. Wow. He's now had him for 12 years. It's, you know, maybe 13 years. And he has to, and the Bible says early the next morning, Abraham arose because he knew he came from God and he knew that God could raise him. And the God said, man, because, because you did this, because you are willing to give your only begotten son, I'm going to be giving my only begotten son. Because you are willing to do this, blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. So God tested Abraham to see, you know, could Abraham give what was most precious and most dear in his sight? If you have something, house, car, money, whatever, possession, jewelry, watch, whatever, if you have something and if God asks you to give it, you can't give it, then guess what? You don't have it. It has you. And that's okay. That's okay. There's no judgment. That's just your level. But I'm telling you, God is always looking to, to elevate. He's, he's looking to trust. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower. And uh, you determine the level on which you play. I've determined that there's nothing that God uh, cannot ask me for that I'm not willing to, to give. Because I know that any, any poor person or any fool can, can put their trust in God. But can you still trust God when you're prosperous? Can you still trust God when you've got wealth? Can you still trust God when you've got success and when you've got fame and when you've got all of those things? Can you still seek first the King? Can you still? I'm determined there's nothing in this world that can buy my devotion or that can seduce my heart. He is going to be number one. And the antidote to that is your ability to give. Come on, how good was that? That is unbelievable. Okay, you want to ask the next question? I don't think there could be any more. Like, that was perfect. No, it's amazing. We will go on to the next. Okay, so the next question is about women preachers. Women preachers. Da, da, da. Talk People about it. People leave the church because women are talking, so... Um, but yes, it's based out of in Timothy. Um, so do you guys want to unravel yeah. and work that out? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously we release women into, just as Jesus did, into their, their callings, their giftings, um, into uh, ministering in the church, pastoring in the church, fulfilling many, many roles, one of those teaching and preaching. And it's actually very, very godly, very biblical, um, my husband has released me, as he has the other female leaders in this church, to minister and to flow in our gifting. We always put it this way. 
Every household has the voice, every healthy household has the voice of a father, yes, but also a mother. And something's amiss and out of balance if we don't have the mother's voice, the feminine's voice. It becomes harsh, it becomes hard, it it can become very commanding. And so there is a, a softness and a femininity that the church needs in order to be well balanced. Um, You won't find anybody in our church uh, jumping up, uh, any woman or man for that matter, jumping up and commandeering the microphone unless they've been asked. Nobody who's on the stage is out of authority. Everybody here has been commissioned by Pastor Jürgen and by the Lord to minister and to share. And I think it's interesting, I was uh, talking to Pastor Jürgen on the way down here about my Bible reading today where Jesus is calling out the Pharisees, which he loved to do. And they were always looking for those gotcha questions. And there was this one particular Pharisaical group that didn't believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees. Ooh, perfect name. They were very sad, you see. And... um, Yes. And so they were just trying to trap Jesus and they were asking him questions ironically about marriage and what would happen to a woman if her husband died and just some of the different uh, laws in the time. And he said to them something so profound that I think really counts in this case too. He said, you do not know the word of God, nor the power of God. So these particular Sadducees, they knew just the first five books of the Bible, but they refused to go and they, they kind of had some knowledge of the Word, but they didn't know the spirit of the Word. And so a lot of these people that are trying to twist the Scripture to say, to mean something that it does not mean. Now, this is all in the context of order and, and right governance in the church. We're not talking about things being in disorder, which really was what Paul was addressing in that Scripture. He was talking about an out-of-order situation that needed correction. And that came about because the culture of the time was women were worshipped. They were at the, well and truly at the top of the totem pole and they told everybody, you know, how it was done and they, they were, the, the men were completely emasculated. They were, the, the nation was full of beta males. The men had lost their voice, lost their authority as the leaders of their households and, and the women were just taken over and Paul had to come in and bring order and say, listen, Women, you're not just allowed to call out in church and ask a question whenever you feel the Spirit leads you. You, We're going to do this the right way. We're going to have order in God's house. And it's interesting that that particular particular, um, instruction that he gave to Timothy, he didn't give to other congregations. It was this specific congregation that he gave it to because this was the congregation that had the issue. And it was in Ephesus. It was in Ephesus, right? So they worshipped Diana. They worshipped Aphrodite. So the women held the power. The futurist female was that. They were. That's yeah. how they were living. And, and Paul needed to bring the And the, and the, the other scripture correction. is in Corinthians, Corinthians 14. Right. And again, both Corinth and, and Ephesus are both in uh, Greece. Yes. And so the, and in the Greece, Grecian culture... Uh, they they believe that the the stronger of the two gods was the female gods. That's why they worship Diana, Aphrodite. They worship all these female goddesses because, and it's very crass, it's very crude. But they said that no, the the, the woman, even though she, she's feminine and f- maybe physically weaker, actually is the stronger because she determines whether a man gets to have sex or not. And so they that's so that was the whole thing. So Paul has sent Timothy. Timothy is the is literally the bishop in Ephesus. He has a church of about 40,000 people and it is chaos because in the Eropicus and, and in the marketplace, in the public square, the women who were the temple prostitutes and the women would, would yell out and everything was in disorder. The men were subject to the women. The women were usurping the authority in the home. So Paul writes both to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, yeah, chapter 14, I think it's 34, 35. And then the same in uh, 1 Timothy 2, 12, where he says, I don't permit a woman to, to speak in church because they were interrupting they were calling out. They were saying, if she wants to know anything, let her ask her husband at home. Let her sit in silence in church listening. And then she has questions because he was trying to write an yes. upside down and incorrect yep. uh, 
order. Yeah. And so, so in, you know, in our church, and so, you know, but I've heard fools, I've heard these, these people say, well, you know, a, a woman shouldn't teach a man. So does anybody know the age in uh, Jewish culture when a boy becomes a man? 13. It's at 13 when they have the bar mitzvah. So bar means son, mitzvah means law. So at 13, they do the bar mitzvah. And after, after the bar mitzvah at 13, that young man, that teenager can now buy property, hold title, go to the bank, get a loan, start a business. He is treated as no longer a child. He's treated as an adult. Yet, do you know how much chaos would be in a Jewish home if the mother was not allowed to teach him anymore because he's now considered a man? And the Apostle Paul says, I do not permit a woman to have authority over a man nor to teach a man. You better believe that mama is still has authority over that 13-year-old. Paul is not writing into the Jewish culture. He's writing into a messed up, jacked up, going to all the world and preach the gospel culture. It is, it is a Greek culture where everything was upside down. The idolatry, the perversion, the, the disrespect in, in the home. So let me just also say this, that whenever Pastor Loren or beautiful Pastor Leanne or as we had Pastor Becca up here, they, they are not speaking out of a Authority. They don't just get the microphone and say, hey, we don't care what you say. We're going to preach this. I am woman, hear me roar. They actually all preach under our, my authority. And they, they, they preach under the covering. They are under my covering. And I recognize that Pastor Becca, I recognize that Pastor Lorraine, I recognize that Pastor Leanne, I recognize that, that our girls, that they, they carry something. Yeah. Now, if, you look at, if you look at God, God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet it's amazing God made man in His, in his image and in His likeness. Male and female created He them. Yes. And so... That means that God has feminine characteristics. And if you look at the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has, has a, he is sensitive. He is easily grieved. He's a comforter. So there's all these uh, attributes in the Holy Spirit. And yet the Bible says the Spirit expressly says. So it's not like the Holy Spirit is the silent partner and doesn't say anything. The Holy Spirit expressly says he's the one that moves in prophecy. Likewise, we see um, in the book of Acts, quoting Joel 2.28, In the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. On your sons and daughters, they shall prophesy. Thank God Deborah spoke up. Otherwise, Israel would have been defeated. Thank God Esther spoke up. Otherwise, Israel would have been genocide. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also on top of that, it's important to really talk about the fact that a lot of people get caught up on what Paul said in those two scriptures versus what he did. So, so Paul empowered women to be pastors, actually of their own congregations. Priscilla and Aquila, uh, Philip's daughters were prophetesses. Four of them would prophesy. Um, so Lydia. Lydia, exactly. She was like a Pathfinder marketplace boss. Um, Montoni. Yes, exactly. They did. They met in her home. So there are just so there is so much more revelation around this area and it's it's sad to me and I think about the collateral damage especially in a place like Salt Lake City if I can be honest um, where women have been reduced down to something that is just the tiniest facet of who they are like when I when I read of the Proverbs 31 woman trust me she was not married to some kind of slouch who was domineering and this woman was able to stretch out her wings and soar and become everything she could become because her husband loved her and empowered her. She considered a field and she, she bought it. I mean, this, this was amazing. She, she was famous in the city because of her wisdom, because of her compassion, her kindness, her philanthropy her, her um, creativity, all these wonderful attributes would not have happened lest the Proverbs 31 man was an incredible husband who released her into everything that was on her life. So I, I'm actually, I've, I've spoken a lot on the man behind the Proverbs 31 woman and what kind of a man he was. And the Bible says that, um, the Bible says that he, he, he's, their children praised her. And he said, many daughters have done well. 
but you excel them all. So there was this culture of encouragement. He put confidence in her. He watered her soul in a healthy way. He taught the kids to do the same and he got the very best out of her. So when I see a wife who constantly looks at the ground, has no opinion, doesn't know how to be in public, has no confidence, who's led with an iron fist and who hasn't been able to become the beautiful woman that God created her to be, that's an indictment on the husband, in my opinion. And now I am very much under my husband's authority. I Trust me, he knows how to tell me what time it is, and he is a strong leader. <laughs> However, within the security, comfort, and leadership of my magnificent husband, I've become a woman that I didn't even think I could become. And I think that truly is what God's house should look like. God's house is the ultimate expression of what a healthy family looks like. Can I, can I speak yes. a little bit about submission? Yeah. Let's. You know, because submission is like a dirty word. It's almost like an ugly word. It's like, oh, you, you know, that's the patriarchy right there, submission. You know, that's, um, that's you know, misogynistic. And so, so let me just tell you, the, the word submission comes from two words. Sub, which means under, submarine, under the water, sub, and mission. So if I want Leanne to be in submission, that means I, I want her to come under my mission. So her response, and every, every woman worth her salt is, well, tell me your vision that you want me to come under. When a woman recognizes, and that's the Proverbs 31, yep. uh, the husband the Bible says her children rise and call her blessed, the husband also, Amazing. and he praises her. Yep. You know, if, if you were enlisting uh, beautiful pastor Vince to, to get a home and, you, and you're like, hey, we want this home, uh, we're pre-approved, Vince will tell you whether your pre-approval matches up because the appraisal, mm. what, what's the, what, what, why do you get an appraisal on a home? To tell, you the, the value. to tell you the value. To tell you the value. The Bible says, many, uh, the children rise and call her blessed, the husband also, and he praises her and he values her. Many daughters have done well, you excel them all. So for a woman to be in submission, I have to have a mission that, that it has her almost as the centerpiece of that, vi- of that mission to be excellent, to be everything that she can be. She was a snowboarder, but I knew because our, our youngest, our skiers... I wanted her to to, to switch from snowboarding to skiing. She didn't want to do that. She'd been hurt so many times snowboarding. She's like, you know what? I'm going to sit and have have coffee while you go. I'm like, no, we're going to do this as a family. And I had to push and she didn't want to do it. I did not. But because she's in submission. Yeah, what did you call me? You called me a few names. I called him a faith bully. I was a faith bully. bully. She was crying. There was was a few other names. But now... Now? Now I love it. Now she's amazing. I did a blue run today. Come on. And she you know what? I would have missed out on so much joy. She didn't want to preach. I'm like, babe, there's a, you're a preacher. I watched her in the home. She would tell stories and she's so funny. I'm like, Leanne, you've got a word. There's wisdom on you. And I remember the first night, the night before she was meant to preach, you know, all, all the emotions and everything and all the fears and insecurities and inhibitions hit her. And she's like, that's it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You can't make me do it. You're going to have to replace me. And so I remember just, oh, I didn't know what to do. She was having an attack. So I just wrapped my arms around her. Well, we'll, you know, and I thought I'll cuddle her and I'll just pray in tongues. And, uh, and then what did you do? I bit him hard on the arm. She I bit, bit him my so arm. so hard. You know what? You... And I kept praying and yes, eventually. and I did. Yeah. And I, and I released my And the my next grip. day she preached and hasn't looked back since. So, yeah. so submission is sub come under a mission. And so there's a lot, of, a lot of husbands say, hey, my wife isn't in submission to me, Pastor. Would you, would you come and would you tell her that the Bible says, wives, submit to your husband? And all, I, I just say, well, tell, tell me what's your mission for her. What? What's, what's your mission? Cooking, like, cleaning, you know, and, ironing yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh, so, so if you have a, a, you know, a mission, I was almost going to be naughty there. But, um. Well, I'll say this one thing that's helped here because you in all of those instances, were so patient with me. So you didn't pander to my fear, but you also didn't go, oh, forget about you then. I'm just going to go, you can, you can stay in your rut. Like you wouldn't let me stay in my rut of fear. Wow. 
And so I am who I am because of your patience and your persistence. And I would say that's the key, husbands, because fear is real. Fear and intimidation is very real. In an Australian culture, it's very real. I would say also in Utah, Salt Lake, because of the prevailing spirits, you're going to either get many women are going to come to you intimidated or so strong, heaven help us. And so that's a different question altogether. But I would say patience and persistence on both ends. If you've got a fire, fire starter or if you've got, got one who's completely timid, patience and persistence. Do not give up on her. Continue to speak the word of the Lord over her. Tell out and draw out every good thing that's on the inside of her. Encourage her, praise her, and you'll have the wife you always dreamed of. Many men say, I want a confident woman, but I have to ask you this question. If God gave you a confident woman, would she stay that way under your leadership? Would she remain confident? Do you... Do you bring out the best in her? And I am the woman I am today because I have a husband who has done that, who has been so committed to me in that way. So thank oh, you. That's yeah. so beautiful. I'm sorry for biting beautiful. you. Let's go. Oh. You're not going to see marriages like that in a church that won't let women preach. Yeah. You're just not going to. You never do. You it's don't. So it's sad. so true, isn't it? Yep. And then you see overreaches because some women just will not be ignored. Right. Which is kind of good, but then it comes out in the most explosive, inappropriate way. Yes. Yes. And you just know the Jezebel spirit sitting control. in the wings waiting for a portal. Or, or the other end where women are just complete dolts and completely underappreciated. And then there's, there's rampant misogyny and all kinds of perversion yeah. and wickedness in the church. We have to get it right. Yes. We can't okay. allow ourselves to go either side of the unbalanced spectrum. Come on. Every church family needs the voice of a father and of a mother. Unless we have those two things, it will be out of sync and out of order. And we will raise children that are dysfunctional. Wow. We don't wow. want to do that. Yeah. And, and to finish a tie bow on that, um, you know, God is not bipolar or schizophrenic. And so that means that there's no contradiction in Scripture. So the very, very first people who were commissioned by angels, by heaven, to proclaim the resurrection of the Savior, Jesus Christ, was women. It was women. Yep. The angel said to the women, go and tell the disciples, he is risen. And he's going on ahead of them. To get the first preachers of the resurrection of Jesus wow. Christ was women. And so God is, not, God is not bipolar. But you know, it's interesting that when Leanne talked about the balance there, and it's so important to get balance. How many people, are, are, you know, are the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son? Yeah. How many people know that there was two sons? There was the older son and the younger son. Yeah. And what's interesting, when the younger son finally comes back, you know, dad throws a party, slaughters the fatted calf, throws a party. Well, the younger son's out in the field and he hears, hang on, why is there music and dancing? What's going on? And then one of the servants comes, oh, you know, your little brother's just come home. This is amazing. And they slaughter the fatted calf and now they're celebrating and the son refuses to come in. Mm. You know, he's got like a religious spirit. Mm. He's indignant. And so the father comes out begging him. And, and he's like, that, that son of yours squandered all your money with hookers and drugs and Las Vegas parties. I'm not coming in. And, uh, and he says, son, he says, your brother was dead and is now alive. Wow. It is right that we celebrate. And he says, all these years I've been in your house and you haven't given me even so much as a little lamb for me to, to, to celebrate with me and my friends. And the father said, son, everything I have is yours like why didn't you ask wow so here's here's what it is so a religious spirit and jesus tells a story intentionally puts the older son in the picture intentionally you have to watch that because we see abuse over here because there are people who have excesses with pro the prosperity gospel or you know whatever and because we see the excesses here, be careful that you don't live in poverty and stupidity over there. 
because the Father says everything that I have is. So the, this is what the church does. A religious spirit pendulum swings the other day, so, other way. So we live in poverty, and so because we see, oh my gosh, the you know uh, there are women who are out of control and calling out. Therefore, we'll swing the other way, and it's silence and it's misogynistic, and the women are kind of just you know in the back, and they're just and so healthy is. The, the healthy balance where you see women flourishing. And so I, I can tell you the strength and the leadership of a church, the health of a church, not by the pastor, not by how many YouTube likes or hits or, you know, I can tell, let me look at the wives. Let me look at the, yes, the pastor's 100%. wife and the yep. wives of the people on the team. That to me is the greatest health check She's the in the church. She's the thermometer. hundred percent. And, and in, putting a double bow on it, because you already put a bow, I'll put another bow on it. Uh, in, the, in Judges, in the story of Deborah, she had to step up into a gap that was vacated by the men of her time. So if you read through the book of Judges, you see that, and then the Spirit of the Lord came upon, or, and then the Lord raised up, and then the Lord raised up, and then the Lord raised up. But then the Bible actually goes on to say, uh, Israel was in oppression, the enemy was rampant, then Deborah, a mother, arose. Why did a, why did a woman have to arise? Because the, the Bible tells us in the Song of Deborah that the men of that time were fat and sloppy. They were totally uh, not taking responsibility for what should have been their responsibility. So as a result, Deborah, out of necessity, had to stand up and take care of business. She even came to Barak and said, Barak, God is going to give the enemy into our hands. Now is the time. And even then he said, listen, I, I, I don't want to do this without you. And she's like, okay. But then the glory is going to go to a woman. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. Yep. <laughs> Your ego may get a little bruised. Yep. But in the greatest story ever written, the hero is going to be Jael, a woman. And really that story of Deborah Yes, Barak finally rose up and became the warrior that he was called to be. But the heroines of that story were Deborah and Jael. And they literally had to take that position because of male negligence. So I want to say to you today that, you know, that may be the story in your home and you can pipe off all day long about your wife being this or that. But are you fat and sloppy as it, as it relates to the point of your responsibility and leadership in the home? Every woman wants to be married to a man who leads the house spiritually, first and foremost. I can't tell you what a gift in the, in the many different situations we've been through in our family. Our eldest son, as many of you know, was addicted to drugs for many years. It was heartbreaking. I thank God that I didn't have to drag my family spiritually through that crisis that when I was at my lowest saying, why is God allowing this to happen and wanting to get down in the dumps? I had a man who didn't sit in the dumps with me, but put his hand down and say, come on, baby, we're gonna believe God. We're gonna, our son is gonna come through. Our family is gonna get through this. That's what every woman wants, a, a, a man like that. And I believe that God never calls us or commissions us to do anything that He hasn't empowered us to do. So you would not have been born male if you didn't have the goods, friends. Like you were given those chromosomes for a reason. God saw leadership on you. He saw provision on you. He saw a protector on you. He saw someone who could lead a family well in you. And He will help you become all those things if you give your life to Him. So Stop good. blaming and, and start pressing in to the great man that God has called you to be. Wow. Come on, I bring come on. some stank wherever I go. I'm sorry. I, I don't Woo! know how to preach a message without I, hurting somebody. I, Pastor, you're going to land. So I love. Yeah, I mean, we, we had four questions. We only, we got, only got two. We only got two, But yeah. I just, I felt when you talked about the two sons, it's like we live in this imbalance of you may have come in here as a prodigal. Yeah. But we're not going to leave you as a prodigal. Yeah. And that's what this is about. We're going to teach you how to be a good husband. We're going to teach how marriage flourishes together, how to do life. And so I felt like this opened something up. And I don't know if you just want to yeah. pray over us or, yeah. or minister to that. Because yeah. I think this was a healing moment. Yeah. I yeah. think there's something. I, I totally there. agree. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I know that we're the, you know, the, the clock is always working against us. And uh, even though the clock isn't Lord, 
uh, we, we respect the clock because we honour you. We honour your time. We know that, that you're busy and because you made the effort to come to church, we want you to know that we respect your time. So we want to honour that time. So I promise we're going to have you out uh, by eight in Jesus' name. Uh, unless you voluntarily want to stay longer to linger or, or in ministry. But just turn your, your palms towards heaven. You know, Pastor, Pastor Matt said that so brilliantly that some of us have come in from, you know, we're, we're the prodigal, we're, we're, we're that prodigal son. We tried everything the world has only to find that the world is cruel. It's empty. It's very interesting in that story that, the, 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 that he joined himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into the field to feed swine. You don't think the guy could have had another job for him? Do, do, do you know how abhorrent it is to have a Jewish person feed your swine? The, the citizen of that country had no respect or regard for his beliefs, for his culture, for his family, his upbringing. In fact, if anything, was cruel in what he got him to do. The spirit of this world is a cruel spirit. It is an anti-Judeo-Christian spirit. It will, it will slaughter the Jews in the Holocaust. It, 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 it rages against Christ. It rages against Israel. It is a wicked spirit. And he longed to feed himself even with what the pigs ate, but nobody gave him nothing. The world is empty. The world is empty, but the kingdom is full. God sets a table in the presence of your enemies. And so, Father, I thank you right now for any prodigal. And don't let the devil, maybe you grew up in church, and maybe the devil's trying to tell you, man, they're having more fun in Vegas, and it's shiny, and it's glistening, and it's exciting. And I'm telling you, the world is empty. Death, famine is in the world. Life is in the house. Life is in the kingdom. Or maybe you've come up and you've watched that. Maybe you're the older brother. You've got that religious spirit. We know that the valley has that, that religious spirit in it. And you'll always know a religious spirit because it's always judging. It can't dance. It can't rejoice. It can't celebrate. It can't celebrate in somebody else having a breakthrough. It, it, it doesn't understand grace. A religious spirit understands law and disqualification. It doesn't understand acceptance and validation because it's a religious spirit. You don't want to live with that. It is a cruel spirit. It is a horrible spirit. It always finds fault. It always points out what's wrong. It always points out what's disqualifying. We break that. Just turn your palms towards heaven. I'm going to pray a prayer. Today in my Bible reading, it was Joshua chapter 5. And Joshua chapter 5, they've just crossed the Jordan. They're just about to march around Jericho. Chapter 6 is Jericho. But something powerful happens in chapter 5. God says to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise all the men. Because for 40 years, these men wandered in the wilderness under a leader that was happy to provide miracles and happy to bring water out of a rock and manna from the sky and quail. He liked being the miracle guy. He just didn't like having the difficult conversation. And so none of these men have been circumcised and circumcision was the old covenant. It was the old covenant. So they made flint knives and they circumcised all the men. And the Bible says this, that God spoke to Joshua and says, tell all the people today, I have rolled away your reproach, the reproach of Egypt. Today, I've rolled it away from you. And they named that place Gilgal, which means rolling away. But you know what's crazy? They left Egypt 40 years ago. They were physically delivered from Egypt 40 years ago. But it wasn't until they got circumcised on this day did God roll away their reproach. Now the word reproach means shame, means disgrace. That means you can come out of, 
You can get delivered from drug, but still live under the shame of it. You can get delivered from, man, I lived a, a, a prodigal lifestyle, but you still live under the shame of it. You can come out of poverty. You, the circumstance can change. You may end up getting a great job, winning the lottery, whatever. But you can come out of, but still have a poverty mindset. I can't tell you how many people, they, they, they left their home because mom and dad, it was abusive, it was violent, it was destructive, it was... It was, and only to find they get married and the same thing is on them because a change in geography and a change in circumstance, God says today, because you've covenant with me, because you, you allowed there to be pain in your commitment to me, because you cut some things off that needed to be cut off, today I'm healing you, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Today I'm delivering you of the disgrace. I'm delivering you of the shame. I know I'm talking to people tonight. That's a word for you. So turn your your palms towards heaven. Father, I come against the reproach. That there are people here, you came out of drugs, you came out of sexual immorality, maybe out of adultery or out of fornication, having sex, sleeping around. Maybe you maybe you came out of a, a lurid lifestyle or a, that, that, maybe you come out of alcoholism. Maybe you come out of drug dealing. Maybe you come out of gangs. Maybe you came out of violence. You came out of something, but the shame and the reproach is still on you. Today, today, let the Holy Spirit minister cut off whatever needs to be cut off. Maybe it's maybe it's some contacts in your phone. Maybe it's some stuff on your computer. Whatever it is, cut it off today because God isn't just delivering you out of that lifestyle and delivering you from the oppressor. God is a God that wants to roll away the reproach. It's not finished until the shame, the guilt, the stains and the disgrace is washed off. Father, in the name of Jesus, I roll away, I break the reproach. I declare that not only are they delivered from the power of darkness, but they are set free. We declare the guilt, we declare the shame, we declare the stains of the disgrace. I break I break it now off their minds. I break it now off their hearts. I break it now off their lives. There are some people here, God has forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven you. If God who is most holy can forgive you, unless you are holier than the most holy, then you have no right not to forgive you. If heaven has forgiven you, you need to forgive you. Just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. And, and here's the thing. Here's what I hear the Holy Spirit saying. There are a number of people here. You are locked at a level because what occupies so much of your brain and emotional space is guilt and shame and disgrace from who you once were and the struggle with what you once were. That all that energy and all that gray matter can't, can't receive what God is trying to send in to unlock your future, to unlock the greatness, to unlock and illuminate a path forward for your life. And I just hear the Holy Spirit saying right now, He's, He's breaking some generational cycles. He's breaking some generational curses. There's spirits of poverty that, that I hear it break. I hear, literally I hear chains snapping right now. Poverty broken right now. You gotta let that go, let that go, let that go. Ideas are gonna come to your mind. Instead of, instead of the shame and the guilt of stuff from the past, the Apostle Paul said, there's one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind. I pray forward to lay hold of that which is lay hold of me. Father, I thank you right now for freedom. I thank you, Father God, for deliverance. I thank you, Father God, for breakthrough. I thank you, Lord God, for innovation. I thank you, Lord God, for ideas. I thank you, Lord God, for entrepreneurship. I thank you, Lord God, for invention. I thank you, Father God, that, that this is a room full of world changes. I thank you, Lord God, that I see ceilings being shattered and I see, see levels being lifted off people. God has God is a great God and He has great things for you. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Will you come up? Because I, I, um, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, even so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. If you will allow your thoughts 
to be replaced with God's thoughts, you'll find yourself walking in higher ways. There's a reason we call them a highway. A highway is like a fast track. It's a better place to travel. The highways of God lead you to where God wants you to be. Father, I thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for unlocking next chapters. Just right now, just make a decision. I'm cutting off the old. I'm cutting off the old. I'm cutting off the old. For 40 years, I walked through a wilderness, not covenant with God. Was God blessing them? God was blessing them. Was God feeding them? God was feeding them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear on their feet. Every day they never missed a meal. And yet they weren't covenant with God. But when they covenant with God, God says, now I'm washing away the shame. I'm washing away the reproach. I'm washing away the stains. I'm washing away the disgrace. I'm dealing with the memories. I'm dealing with the mindsets. I'm dealing with the paradigms. Father, we declare these people when they are born again, they're born again into the kingdom of God. But I break the paradigms of this world. I break the mindsets of this world. We are not of this world. We're of heaven we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven in jesus name amen wow what an amazing word i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did hey listen for more information about our church go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our youtube channel if you haven't already and download our app it is amazing it is chock full of incredible messages information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.